I'm going to recite a famous speech, an exhortation to philosophy called The Choice of Hercules. We're told that Zeno, the founder of Stoicism, was inspired to become a philosopher after hearing a reading from book two of Xenophon's Memorabilia of Socrates. In that text, Socrates is addressing Aristippus, the founder of the Cyrenaic school of hedonistic philosophy. Socrates tries to persuade him that easy living and fleeting pleasures cannot produce physical fitness or improve the mind. He says that good men never cease telling us that we can achieve great things through hard work and perseverance, which he illustrates by quoting this famous passage from Hesiod's Works and Days. Evil can be found, evil can be easily found and freely. Smooth is the road, and very near she dwells. But sweat the gods have set upon the way to goodness. Long and steep is the path to it, and rough at first. But if you reach the summit, thereafter it is easy, though hard it was. Socrates then turns to his main illustration of this advice, a celebrated allegory that became known as the choice of Hercules. It's an exhortation to philosophy, which Socrates recites from memory, as he heard it in person from its author, his friend, the sophist Prodicus. The story goes like this. When Hercules was a young man, he wandered out to a quiet place and sat down by a fork in the road, pondering which path to take going forward. He had just reached adulthood, the point at which young men begin to take charge of their own lives and through their actions begin to show which path they've chosen to follow in life. Hercules noticed two women of godlike stature approaching him. The first was dressed plainly in a white robe. She had a noble bearing, a pure and dignified appearance and a modest expression in her eyes. The other was dressed and made up more ostentatiously and had a very seductive appearance. She looked into Hercules' eyes flirtatiously. She kept checking her own appearance and trying to catch his attention. The first woman, dressed in white, approached slowly, but the other raced ahead, pushing in front of her. Hercules, she said, I see that you are unable to make up your mind which path to follow in life. Take me as your guide and I will lead you down the easiest and most pleasant road. There's not a single pleasure of whose taste you'll be deprived and you'll live out your life without ever encountering hardship. You'll have no responsibilities and never be called on to go to war. Rather, your only concern will be deciding what food or drink to savour next and what sights, sounds or scents or physical sensations might please you the most. You'll spend your days trying to make up your mind which lovers to choose next and your nights sleeping comfortably in the most luxurious beds. All of this shall be yours from the labour of other men and you'll never have to lift a finger yourself. My blessing will grant you the benefits from these benefits from all quarters in life, free from any effort or anxiety. When she'd finished speaking, Hercules asked her name. My friends call me Eudaimonia, or happiness, she said, although this was not her true name. Meanwhile, the other woman who had been waiting patiently to speak stepped forward. 
I too have come to meet you, Hercules, she said. I came because I know your parents, Zeus and Alcmene, and have been carefully observing your character and the course of your education. What I saw filled me with hope that if only you would follow the path that leads to me, you might one day become a great hero and perform many noble deeds. You'll have the opportunity to win great honour from the blessings that I bestow. However, rather than delude you with promises of future pleasures, I will tell you the truth, exactly as it's ordained by the gods. Nothing that is truly good and admirable is granted by them to men without some effort and application. If you want the gods to bestow their grace on you, for instance, you must worship them and live piously. If you want to be loved by your friends, you must show them kindness. If you desire to be honoured by great cities, you must help their people. If you expect to be admired throughout Greece, you must make yourself of benefit to the whole of Greece. If you want your land to produce crops in abundance, you must patiently farm your land. If you hope to make money from your livestock, you must take good care of them. If you seek to extend your influence through conquest, to free your friends and subdue your enemies, you must learn the arts of war from experts and diligently practice them. If you want to be physically fit and strong, you must train your body to obey your mind and develop it through hard work and sweat. However, at this the first woman pressed forward again and tried to interrupt her companion. Do you not realise, Hercules, she exclaimed, what a long and difficult road it is that this woman is describing? Listen to me instead, for I will put you on the short and easy road to happiness. However, the second goddess replied, What good or pleasure can you possibly have to offer, poor wretch, who refused to do anything for either? You don't even await the desire for what is pleasant, but stuff yourself with everything before you want it. You eat before you're hungry and drink before you're thirsty. In order to make eating pleasurable once more, you're forced to constantly invent novel ways of preparing your food that will stimulate your appetite. To make drinking enjoyable, even when you're not thirsty, you provide yourself with expensive wines and rush around searching for ice in summer. To make going to sleep pleasant, you're forced to provide yourself with the softest beds and blankets that money can buy. For it's not work that makes you want to retire to your bed, but boredom. You force the gratification of your sexual impulses before they're even aroused, employing all sorts of devices. This is the sort of training you offer your so-called friends, exciting their passions by night and putting them to sleep for the best part of the day. Although you are an immortal, she continued, you've been turned out by all of the other gods and are scorned by every decent man. You're denied the opportunity to hear that sweetest of sounds, praise of yourself from others. And you're denied the sweetest of all sights, for you will never contemplate any work of your own that's admirable. Who would trust your word? Who would assist you if you ever needed help? What sane person would want to join your throng of devotees? When they're young, your followers are feeble in body, and when they get older, they're foolish in mind. 
They're kept in pampered luxury in their youth, but spend old age in laborious squalor, disgraced by their past actions and burdened by their present ones. For they have in their youth exhausted all that was pleasant and laid up for their old age all that is hard to bear. I keep the company both of gods and good men, she said, and no noble action, human or divine, is done without my presence. I am held in the highest honour by those who are my kin. I am a welcome fellow worker to the craftsman, a faithful guardian in the household, a kindly protector to the servant, an industrious helper in times of peace, the staunchest of allies during operations of war, and the best partner you could wish for in a friendship. My associates enjoy food and drink with a healthy pleasure because they wait until they feel a natural desire. Their sleep is better than that of the easy living, and so they're neither irritated when they have to awaken early, nor make excuses for neglecting their duties. My young followers enjoy the praise of their elders, and the older ones have earned the veneration of the young. They reflect on their past achievements with pleasure and satisfaction, while rejoicing in their present success. Through me, they become dear to the gods, loved by their friends and honoured by their country. When their appointed end finally comes, they do not lie forgotten in obscurity, but the memory of them is celebrated for generations to come. You see, Hercules, she concluded, if you work hard in the way I have described, you can possess true happiness and fulfilment in life. The name of this goddess was Virtue, Arate. And the other, who had called herself happiness, or eudaimonia, was actually known as kakia, or vice. Having heard this speech, Zeno leapt to his feet and asked the bookseller where he could find a man like Socrates to become his teacher. He went on to train in cynicism, in the academic and Megarian schools of philosophy, founded by Socrates' followers. Ten years later, he founded a new school of philosophy called Stoicism. And the rest is history.